0: The design of family is a God-created endeavor, yet oftentimes what constitutes one has been shifted through men and women's desire for intimacy, safety, and belonging with each other. In this episode, we will be exploring the principles of remarriage and stepfamilies. Watch out for empowering advice and tips for how to do this successfully as we walk through the stages from dating to melding one's blended family. This is Together. This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways that marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Samuel Jones and Dr. Kelly Bonniewell.
1: Okay, Samuel, today... Uh... We're going to do a really important podcast, and uh, it's going to be about uh, remarriage and the importance of doing that right. As you know, first marriages, divorce rate, it's about 50%, and that's for Christians and non-Christians alike. And for second marriages, it jumps, and it jumps to 60%. So when you're getting remarried, you want to you wanna make sure you're marrying the right person. You know, there's, there's a lot of reasons, couple why that rate is so high. Just a couple of those to begin the conversation. And then I, I want you to uh, share a lot. Sure. And that is divorce baggage. People bring their previous marriage into the second marriage. Second pie reason that I've seen in my practice is people don't spend enough time getting to know the person that they're going to marry and and don't make a very wise choice. And then the big one, which we're going to talk a little bit about today, and that is with remarriage, you have the dynamic of stepchildren. And that can get really challenging. And uh, I know you're going to do some talking about a very important author, Ron Deal, who's done uh, a lot of work in this area. So just as an overview for, for our listeners, we're going to kind of hit on three topics. And then I'm going to want you to jump in and talk about this first one, sure. Samuel. So the three topics are uh Dating. How what should dating look like in remarriage? What should co-parenting look like in remarriage? That would be the second topic, mm-hmm. and then the third one that we're going to touch on is what makes families meld together in this uh, second marriage, in this remarriage. So to kind of jump in initially, Samuel, what are what are your, some some of your thoughts? And if you want to go into that whole issue of dating, go for it.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I think that when we're talking about remarriage, um, um, as we call it here at Ada or, uh, step families and step marriages, as, uh, Ron Deal calls them, um, you know, a, a lot of what he shares and, and what you may be experiencing as a listener is, you know, all these aspects that Kelly is talking about, because I think that there are so many phases and, and aspects to it. And in often cases, if we ignore those things, um, such as, you know, you know, marital intimacy. Right. You know, many cases, if you're if you're in that time frame of wanting to get married again, um, but you haven't healed from your first marriage or from previous relationships, a lot of times you're going to bring that in. You know, then you are thinking also about the aspect of your parent, you know, and you're trying to get into this place of I just want to be married and enjoy my family. Well, what about your kids? Right. Well, what about the experiences that they are having based on previous relationships that you might have been in as a spouse, and now you're asking them to integrate? Um, um, sometimes even uh, toss them into situations where maybe they're not ready, or maybe you haven't had the conversation. And I think mm-hmm. that you know, if we're getting into this discussion, touching on all those things are really key. You know, uh, from the the dynamic of being in a New family to, you know, some of the new practices of the family and traditions that are created, you know, to just even, you know, aspects of how do you deal with, you know, money in in a new situation? How do you deal with church involvement in a new situation? Like all those things are key aspects, I think, you know, when you're getting into a conversation of what is remarriage, blended families, step families, all that, you know, comprehensively look like. And I think that you can't ignore those things, but I but I, I definitely think that those are key parts, you know, when we're starting into this discussion, especially the first step of this, which is just dating, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. And Samuel, you're touching on something
1: that I think is really, really important to remarriage. Years ago, I was at a conference and I heard Ron Deal speak, and yeah. he showed the complexity. Of the different dynamics of how remarriage works. And he had like these charts. Yeah. And it was mind boggling. There, there, I can't remember exactly what the number was, but there was like 10,000 different mutations of what, uh, maybe it wasn't that high, but there was a lot of different mutations of how a step family, uh, could look. I'll give you one. Uh, And that is uh, you one remarriage is you get remarried and one person was divorced, but the other person, it's their first marriage. Yeah. So that's a mutation. Another mutation would be both are divorced and both are bringing children into the marriage. So as you can see, it can multiply and the complex, you know, it's complex to get married for the first time but uh when you do it a second time it gets way more complex and why i think couples need to be really thoughtful uh when they do begin dating to make sure they get off the right foot that's why you know we're going we're going to talk a little bit about ron deal yeah. and his work but uh what are your what are your thoughts about this whole issue of dating
0: yeah, I think, you know, again, we're, we're going to be using a lot of dialogue from Ron Dill's book, and we'll give you that resource at the end of this. Um, but I think one of the big things that he points out um, in the beginning of his book about dating couples is this aspect that we still have to make sure that parenting, especially if you have kids and you're bringing kids into a new situation, um, is the first priority. I mean, he says dating is a secondary and I think that that is a a key point because you know often cases you know one one or both spouses potentially would already have a child, and if you're trying to navigate you know having a kid um bringing that child into a brand new environment that you're dating somebody or you know maybe it's the gal and she's going out with the guy on certain days or nights and and that child is used to, you know, spending time with that parent predominantly, especially after a, potentially a divorce or after a relationship has went sour. And, and now that child's time is being taken by now another person. You know, it's like, Hey, wait a minute. How do you, mm-hmm. how, how did you get there? And we didn't even have a conversation that's between kid and parent. But sometimes, you know, that parent is just thinking about, Hey, I have these emotional needs. I have these, you know, Desires to to be married to or to potentially just have someone that I can spend time with. That's another adult. And I think that those are things that we have to become um, cognizant and real at and talking and discussing when we're looking to date and be with somebody else. I think another part of that is, you know, you consider you have to consider as a person, maybe you don't have a kid and you're like, well, I'm just trying to find that next person. Um, to be in relationship with when you're navigating relationship, you're going to have all these new types of stresses and issues and problems that maybe you didn't think about. Because all you see is that other person who's just treating you like the king or queen that you are. Mm-hmm. And 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 it makes you forget sometimes about all those things that you may have went through as you were hitting that, Kelly. And when you're falling in love, right, or you're 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 dating um, without or dating Um, In reckless abandon, you know you you are likely to initially forget about something until it's a trigger point. (laughs) Until you're reminded about all that hurt, pain, whatever you went through by something that that person does, and that's often cases an indicator of um, potentially unforgiveness or an indicator of you know things that you might have left in in a place where you didn't want to deal with them. And those things, when they come up, it it's going to cost us more in regards to that new relationship. So those are things that we have to be cognizant of when we're even considering dating. Because another thing that Dill says is that just because you're a couple doesn't mean it's going to lead to this thing called familyness.
1: you know? Mm. What do you mean by that? That family? Yeah.
0: yeah. So, you know, familyness means that when you're getting together with another person, sometimes you're hoping that we're just going to blend all of our elements. We're going to toss everything together and we're going to be one unit. (laughs) You know, me and my new spouse, me and my new boo, as I like to say, you and your new boo, (laughs) right? Uh, But you and your new boo just getting together, blending all your practices together does not lead to a family. As we are finding out in this day and time, family Families in and of themselves, just based off a of normal, normal or regular um, processes of marriage, in many cases, aren't just leading to familyness. aren't just leading to, you know, where someone is coming together alongside you and knowing that it's going to take you more time to actually understand what that other person is going through. That then leads to some level of unity and oneness. Now, take into consideration that you are two different people. With two different potential marital backgrounds two different families and you're just going to blend it together no ain't no way that's going to just lead to familyness it takes time and low heat which is another concept that dill talks about that we'll talk about later
1: yeah that's really good yeah and again i think when when i've worked with couples who remarried i would say half of them and i've worked with quite a few couples who remarried Because that's just kind of like a staple of counseling if you're going to do marriage counseling. Yeah. But when I've worked with them, they put their head in the sand in terms of these dynamics of family, of co-parenting, and uh, just giving time to the relationship to develop and to really figure out who is it that I am dating because... Mm -hmm. Again, I remember one time I worked with this uh, woman who her husband left her for another woman, and uh, I worked with her for a couple of years actually. Uh, but I remember initially when that first conversation came up with dating for her, she had read in a book, and I can't remember what the uh, what the numbers were, but she had been married. She had, her first marriage lasted thirty five years, long time. Wow. And the one of the books that she read said for every year of marriage you have to wait this amount before you even begin thinking of dating. And she came to me in a panic and yeah. uh she said, "Kelly, this this book says I have to wait 7 years before I should date." And while well, I don't agree with that at all. I think that's that's not that's not correct at all, but I do believe couples should date for a good adage is you should date for at least four seasons. Exactly. And uh I think that's a good, good uh standard to have for couples who are dating.
0: Yeah. I, I think in that Kelly, like it's so important. You you said that dating for four, or four seasons, that's something that even me and my wife did, you know, and mm-hmm. something that I made uh, adamant part of our initial relationship. Now I, I like to say, that my wife is the product of a step family, in a sense, or a blended family. Her mother was primarily single, um, but got remarried a couple times to other men, um, but not necessarily her birth father. And so being a daughter of someone who wasn't a blended or, or part of a remarriage, you know, she had all these different um, thought processes and, and uh, behavioral aspects based off of being a child of one. And so now me, I'm coming from, you know, a a dad and a mom who have been together for 40 plus years. I have a whole different thought process about marriage and family. And so, you know, when we started dating, it began to be really important to navigate all those different nuances about what we thought about what it meant to be married, what we thought about what it meant to be a loving couple, you know, all the conversations that you need to have you know that they teach you in 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 those premarital classes we had to have but we had to have them in layered ways because both of our understandings weren't consistent based off of our own family backgrounds
1: that's a great point yeah. uh no no different uh i uh am a product of a step family and we talked uh we talked about this in a different podcast. Again, if you're going to remarry, we really recommend you read Judith Wallerstein's book, uh, The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce. And one of the things that she says uh, in that book is that the ramifications of growing up in a step family, there's a lot of negative consequences for kids, but uh, one of the main ones is... uh, Sometimes people who grow up in a step family or have gone through a divorce with their parents, uh, either A, they have commitment issues uh, or they sabotage relationships. Um, but at the core of it, um, because they they observe this divorce between their parents, they can sometimes have a misunderstanding of what marriage should look like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. and And I think that. That is why, again, we're reiterating these points. It's almost so important to, to have these types of conversations when you're in that dating phase and you're asking, you know, your potential spouse or potential person that you're interested in, just questions about who they are, what they believe, you know, what their experiences have been. You know, do they consider divorce an option again? You know all those different types of things because when people have been through certain things, they're carrying those things. But I I also think about just from a from a scriptural standpoint too, Kelly. You know we're both pastors and in that like Luke I think it's Luke fourteen and twenty eight to thirty talks about you know which of you kind of sits down first intending to build a tower, you know doesn't consider the cost mm. of what it's going to take to do it. You know that's the paraphrased version. That's the Sam version. Sam and I. You know, and, uh, and I think that it begins to be important that in any type of relationship, you know, but I think especially crucial in this one that you do sit down, you have those conversations, you count the cost, you know, you find out, you know, if this is something that you desire um, to do again, you know, what is the cost or ramifications of blending your families together potentially? And what are those nuances of how you deal with? Situations by yourself, and then what does it look like to deal with situations? It's not going to be perfect. We all know mm-hmm. that, but I think that a crucial part of this is, like you said earlier, not to put yourself—you know—where you're burying your head in the sand, and you're just like, "Well, I'm just going to ignore it because I'm deeply in love again, and I, and I feel like everything's going to be okay." I know. Let's be wise, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but I, I I will say this, you know, one thing that I uh, encourage couples that I see that are considering you know, or remarriages, you know, I I tell them, say, ask your, ask your potential spouse some questions, you know, ask them, does, you know, your relational history give you staying power or reason to leave? Right. Because in many cases, if you through your history of relationships or marriages show that you, you know, are willing to leave faster than others, maybe that's an indicator that maybe you shouldn't get married, you know, Mm. or if you're deciding that, you know what, I have stayed through the thick and thin of things. And, and in one scenario or another, I felt like I had to leave this one. Maybe that's an indicator of your staying power. But I think that it begins to be really important that you use questions like that to evaluate what you want and where you're going and, and also to to possibly stop potential conflict from coming later on down the road because you didn't have a conversation in the dating phase. That's great. Let's talk
1: about this. Let's maybe, uh, cause I think when, uh, whether you're entering a first marriage or a second marriage, yeah. uh, I think it's, uh, one, one of the exercises that I have given clients in the past is, uh, if you're dating or about to date, and again, this could be first or second marriage is to write down what you are looking for in someone to marry, what mm like what characteristics, what mm. uh, values does that person have, what interests, et cetera. And we've talked about this before a little, uh, a little bit, but um, I think uh, a good starting point, uh, again, for first or second marriage, what I tell people is you've got to have about four or five qualities that are like non-negotiables mm. and you cannot budge on them. So, the first one would be uh, if you're a Christian, and I think most of our audiences are that they're followers of Jesus, but the first one is, is this person an authentic, Is this per, does this person have an authentic relationship with God? Mm. Uh, not, not that they go to church just because they go to church, not because they've been a quote unquote a Christian all their life, but do they genuinely have a relationship with him and again all these things that I'm going to give you it takes at least a year to figure some of these things out right. if not like a year and a half to 2 years. So another one would be uh and again this one you got takes time to figure out uh are they emotionally and mentally and socially healthy. And then uh, a third good one would be uh and we we'll, we I'm really excited to do this next podcast Uh, Are they different than you? You Mm. want you want to marry your opposite in terms of your personality. Um, So. uh, I definitely recommend, you know, if you're dating or about to date and you're going to and you want to be remarried, write those things down and hold to them. Do you have
0: any others that you maybe would recommend? Honestly, Kelly, I think that those are a perfect starting point for anybody who's listening to this uh, podcast because I think you hinted at it. Our next podcast we're going to talk about those differences and dating. So all this you know month we're 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 kind of cluing you in on love and uh, <laughs> how to love that other person or potentially love that other person. I think in 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 in, a, in essence, um, it begins to also be really important that you consider um, your family background when you're deciding, you know, you want to go that, take that next step um, when you're dating. Because if you don't consider family background of someone else, you know, that often tells a lot about a person's behavior, about their thought process about things, um, about um, their values, their ethics, all those different types of things. And, you know, I can remember how many, you know, people that I've in, been in counseling relationships with that have never considered, you know, their their, 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 their—you know—behavioral and, and all those other aspect backgrounds in, car, in terms of their families. Because if you don't consider those things when you're dating, again, it's not to be a slider. Say, well, my family wasn't the, the greatest, and things have happened where I just try to forget. Okay, that's 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 perfectly acceptable. But I think what begins to be really important is that you do navigate your history and understand how you are growing from it and/or as it as it apart. As it is a part of you, it begins to be super important to make sure you share that with the potential person that you're with. So that way they have a better understanding of who you are and your makeup, because those things do matter, especially when you're considering that next step. That's
1: great. Uh, So again, this topic uh, of remarriage is a, a massive one. And we're kind of just giving an overview today about it. And in the future, we'll do some other podcasts, probably talk to some counselors in particular about uh, those counselors who do focus a lot on marriage and working with couples who are remarrying. Uh, again, some oftentimes, uh, uh, stepchildren and co-parenting are uh, aspects of uh, a remarriage. Uh, kind of what? What are some of your initial thoughts about that? Because that that's 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 again going back to the complexity of this, and that's when it yeah. gets even more complex.
0: Yeah, you know, I can remember um, Kelly, a good friend of mine, and uh, me had, sat down and had a conversation just about this. He um, shared and talked to me. He, you know, in his thirties, and and is a guy that you know has teenage kids um, from. A previous relationship where he was not married to that person, but found himself where, you know, he was in college and having all the fun and enjoying all the things and ended up having, you know, a kid. And in that, you know, um, him and the him and the person that he was with, they decided that they did not want to be together for the rest of their lives, but shortly thereafter ended up getting married to someone that he is still with and wanted to be with for the rest of his life. They had kids. Um, in fact, I think they had two or three kids and and still he had the previous child based off the previous relationship. Now, in that relationship, he had to navigate being a young man, how to both parent someone who was not inside of his house and also give his time, energy, love, effort to those who were in his house. Um, that took several conversations between his spouse and the individual who was the mother of his other child, you know, trying to understand how to, you know, clash with, you know, family values, um, how to navigate what schools the kids were going to go to, you know, how to make sure that he spent enough time with his previous child, as well as with the children that he had in his house. Like those are all aspects of co-parenting. On top of that, you know, he shared and talked about how, you know, Him and um, his previous uh, person he was with had different belief systems, you know, both from spiritual Mm -hmm. practices to, to aspects about how to navigate life. And so when you have a child in the middle of those two different things, he was just sharing with me how, you know, he had to have several sit down negotiating conversations with the mother of the child and with his wife in the same time. You know, where they were had to figure out what was going to be the consistent approach to raising that child. And I think that, you know, the maturity of that is that in many cases when we're in these co-parenting situations, you know, we may or may not, you know, even like the person that we used to be with. Right. As mm-hmm. adults, You know, you're like, I don't want to really spend any time <laughs> because it's just it's it's disruptive or it's explosive. But what about that child? Right. That child Mm -hmm. is going to grow up no matter what age they are seeing all those different things. And I think that that is where, you know, especially as a body of Christ, we have to learn how to abound in grace with the other person, whether they're a believer or not. But because Mm -hmm. we're called to this aspect of grace in Christ and even what Christ has done for us and how he has modeled marriage with the church. When you're navigating a relationship with someone else who may or may not be a Christian, there's some aspect of grace just on even the behalf of your child that you have to learn to grow and operate with with that other person. That's just some initial thoughts when I think about this co-parenting thing. What do you think, Kelly?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, that uh, co-parenting is really challenging. And, you know, one dynamic, for example, that I've seen when it comes to co-parenting, I'll give you one that I've seen kind of consistently. And that is, uh, this is something to watch for when you're dating and you have a child. And that is uh, sometimes that your child so desperately wants stability in their life that when you're dating they absolutely adore the person that you're dating sure and uh but then when you get married and uh you're now living as a a, a family there can be strong resistance from that child because now reality has set in mm-hmm. of what is happening and again you kind of touched on this and this is something definitely i think parents have to be Uh, very conscious of, of keeping a balance of like, I've seen, I've seen people who when they're dating, they, how do I put this? They no longer spend as much time with their kids. Mm. They are so focused on this new dating partner and the children get left in the dust. Exactly. The other one would be the opposite, and that is you're allowing, there's like this enmeshment with your child, Mm. and you don't have boundaries with them, and you are letting them dictate your decisions, Uh, and that's unhealthy as well. So, those are a couple of thoughts. What would be, Samuel, what would be some additional tips for co-parenting that you would uh, give To our audience before going into a relationship?
0: Yeah, number one, I think you hinted at one. um, And that is, you know, acknowledging from the enmeshment standpoint, what that means uh, for our listeners that you are totally reliant, potentially, relationally, upon your kids, where it begins to be really unhealthy. And I think that it's important to acknowledge when you've relied on your children to cope from situations in the past. or based on, you know, them just being there to support you. And you're like, well, this is my kid. I'm going to rely. I'm going to be at all their games. I'm going to do all the things that they want to do in life. Um, But then all of a sudden you may find yourself relying on them emotionally for places that they're not supposed to tend to for you. And that's why it begins to be really important to, you know, acknowledge the hurt and pain that you come from, you know, but then also recognize that. Your child is not supposed to be the person that you rely on emotionally Mm -hmm. uh, when you're dealing with healing from certain situations. And so I think that's that's number one. But also, I think it begins to be important to to, you know, uh, make lists. You know, we've talked about list making, but making lists of ways that you may have potentially um, unacknowledging uh, burden, burdening them in some way, you know, uh, doing that, making sure that you affirm who your children are. Um, based on their personalities, not who they are in terms of how they care for you. Um, and then even, you know, I think Ron Deal also mentions talking about making sure that you're relying on God for strength, you know, um, and and how to make sure you're connecting to heal. And so I think that it's it's those are just some of the tips that are really important. To navigate among others um, to support yourself, to make sure your kids are really. Um, emotionally healthy in the situation, um, to make sure that when you now have other stepkids, that you can do the same process with them along with the, you know, your other, your, your new spouse. Because again, co-parenting, whether it's with someone who you no longer <laughs> have relationship with or dislike or someone that you do, you know, I think it really begins to be important to do that. And, then, um, you know, one resource that I do want to mention is, uh, Tammy Daughtry's indicators of a, of healthy co-parenting. Um, that hmm. is, that is, that is a, a really good assessment. Even I've, I've looked at it and taken it personally for myself. I wouldn't recommend anything I haven't taken, but, uh, you know, I've taken it personally for myself. And I was like, man, this thing is, is really robust because it gives you a, a score, it gives you reasoning um, in terms of how to make sure that you're having a healthy co-parenting relationship with those you're involved with.
1: That's great. We'll definitely yeah. make sure to put that, uh, in the, uh, episode notes. Sure. link,
0: Sure.
1: So let's, um, let's dive into, again, this, this whole topic of, uh, remarriage step parenting all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Huge, huge topic. And again, uh, if this is your story, uh, you have to get Ron Deal's books. And it's perfect because Ron Deal is a Christian. He's writing about this from a Christian perspective. Yeah. But the other cool thing is, even with, uh, uh, he is kind of considered the expert in this area overall. Yeah. So um, you, you you can really trust his work. Uh, but to kind of... Uh, Begin to ease into closing this out, uh, I want, I'm curious to hear some of your thoughts about uh, what makes families meld together when it comes to remarriage. Yeah.
0: You know, again, you know, we you've mentioned it. I've mentioned it. Um, but there is a, an amazing metaphor that Ron Deal uses. He he calls it the cooking metaphor. And mm. he talks about how families try to put their 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 families together. He uses what's called the blending metaphor. He says people sometimes often cases do a food processing where you just put everything in and you just hope it mixes together. You know, some people use what's called the microwave which literally mm-hmm. you turn your heat up on something in the family you expect that thing to just melt together like butter. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's it's in many cases not necessarily good. And he has other, so many other different metaphors in regards to that. But the one that sticks out to me and that I have even kind of talked to my own, you know, clients about is this aspect of the crock pot, you know, and, and I now my wife is a cook. So, you know, she won't, she doesn't want me to tell everybody that, but now you're, now it's public knowledge. My wife can cook. She can throw it down in the kitchen. And, and one of the things that she really does really well is uses the crock pot. Um, I don't know, Kelly, if you've had any crock pot meals lately, but when you let that stuff sit in that uh, crock pot and you mix it together, most often it comes out really good, unless you just leave it in the crock pot too long, then it's just burnt. <laughs> <You know>? Absolutely. <laughs> but I think with the family aspect, um, the huge thing about a crock pot, as Rondale mentions, is that you should take all the time in the world that's needed and low heat in regards to letting your family meld together. He mentions these three points. He says you should have time to adjust, time to experience and develop trust, commitment and shared history, and time to find a sense of belonging and identity. I think that is some of the best advice that you can have in regards to blending your family together. Because you think about all the components that we talked about today. We talked about Dating. We talked about co-parenting. Now we're talking about you're in that place, you're married, and now you're trying to make sure that your kids and, and the, your spouse's kids and your entire family, your value system, you're trying to make it all work together. And over time, that is one of the best things you you can do is take the time to do it and also have low heat like you have to gradually, intentionally make effort to bring the things together. And it takes conversation. It takes family dinners. It takes vacations. It takes all those things. And I think that when you work on those things together, yes, there's going to be things you have to be aware of. But I think in that, as long as you take that time and you use low heat, it helps you blend together. You know, that's just, you know, what I would encourage any any family that's blending together in a remarriage situation to do for sure. That's really
1: good, Samuel. Yeah. This has been really helpful to go over and, again, to kind of give a preliminary uh, to people who are thinking about getting remarried or in a dating relationship. Uh, and uh, I also want to just tell our listeners, we have a, at Ada Bible Church, we have a really good, we have a, a marriage start program for first marriages, but we also have a really good uh ministry directed towards those who are getting remarried and it's a small group that you get in with and we have a curriculum that we go over and a, a lot of ron deal's uh uh information is in, in integrated into that small group but just would highly recommend if you're uh interested in that that you'd reach out um at care at aid and we can get you connected uh so yeah and then the other thing that we do do at Ada um is if you're going to get remarried and uh you would like one of our pastors to marry you we uh pretty much insist that you get at least 10 uh 10 counseling sessions with a counselor and we have a lot of great counselors to pick from that would be a good fit for you and and your uh dating partner yeah. but again to get another uh, set of eyes on your relationship, that can't hurt. Mm-hmm. And so oh. uh, if you're thinking of getting remarried um, and you don't go to Ada, go see a counselor, get, get second opinions, get somebody else to look at your relationship and, and see if there's any red flags that they see in your relationship.
0: So on that note, Samuel, what, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, No, I think that's it for today. I think, uh, again, uh, if you are again, a listener and maybe this is your first time checking us out, please uh, check out some of our previous podcasts. Uh, in addition to that, we will be having more coming up this month as well as several months later. And uh, we're just excited that you have come to take a chance and listen to Together with uh, myself, Samuel Jones and Dr. Kelly Bonnewell. And uh, if you have any questions, insights, or even things that you want to hear and check out, uh, feel free to give us an email, Um, send us an email, shout out at at caridatedbible.org and uh, we will definitely get back to you and uh, go from there. So no, not today, Kelly. I think that's it for our podcast and uh, we'll just invite our listeners to keep on tuning in to Together. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope that you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, email us at care at adabible.org.